What else has COVID stole? Have you feel like COVID stole anything from you? Uh, there's a lot of things I feel like. But I, I want to talk about something today that it, it wasn't originally part of my plan in this series, but as I've been praying about it and thinking about it, it's been kind of creeping in, just the idea that, that really COVID has stolen, in a way, stolen peace from a lot of people. And I don't know about you, but as I talk to people, it, it's interesting because, you know, I, you, I don't know about you, but I strike up conversations with people I know and people I don't know. So there's times I might be in line at somewhere and I'll be talking and we're just talking but I'm not, I'm not trying to get into a political conversation. I'm not trying to get into a conversation about any of that. But how do you not talk about COVID, right? So, but it's always so awkward because you wonder where, I wonder what side they're on of all this. And I'm not trying to be offensive. I just, just talking, just getting to know people and being friendly. And so, but, but in that, you just kind of have this doubt because it seems like people disagree about every detail of what we've been told. And it's hard to know what to think. And, you know, the things change all the time. And, People being canceled or banned or, I mean, there's all these things that have happened and you wonder, where does this all go? And I never would have thought, I mean, even this happened this, just yesterday. I was talking with somebody and they said, can you believe how our country's changed in two years? I mean, who would have ever thought? And then they named a couple things that have happened and I thought, yeah, I never would have, I couldn't, I didn't see that coming. I never would have thought that would have happened. You know, it's just amazing. So I'm curious, where do you go when you need or feel like you need a sense of peace and security? What do you do? Where do you go to? Who do you go to? Is there a person? Maybe somebody that you go to? Maybe somebody you call? Maybe somebody you want to spend time with? Maybe you just want to be alone? Is it, is it maybe a trusted friend or, you know, hopefully your spouse? Maybe, maybe it's your pet? I don't know. I've seen some pictures of people curled, curled up with a pet and I don't know. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Maybe you just want your kids all around you and you just want to know everybody's safe and at home. And you just want that quiet of everybody there and you feel, okay, we're going to be okay. There's peace. I don't know. I wonder for you, maybe, maybe you're one of those guys and it's your garage and you're surrounded by tools and that just feels good. I don't know. You know, there's a lot of people that are like that. Maybe it's for you, it's working in the yard. You know, that, that just calms you and quiets you. And you know what? Things are okay. It's going to be okay. I know that this, this, this is normal. Maybe, maybe it's being here in this place. And it's seeing people that you know and you love. And that's, that's what I worry about is I want this to always be that place. Somebody anointed this with oil and it's getting all over my hands. Sorry. Just appreciate the prayers, but didn't, didn't see that coming. So, um, uh, I hope that's that way here. That's what it should be here. It should be a sense of peace. I know when I walk in here, I feel peace. I know that that's peace. It should be peace. Maybe for you, it's being out on the water or near the water. Being raised in the, my dad in the Navy, it, for me, water's always been a big part of my life. I know that sounds weird to some people. I know that. And it doesn't matter to me if it's a, the, that rhythm of the ocean. It can be a lake. It can be on a lake. It can be a river. It can be a brook or a stream. I feel at peace. Maybe for you, it's just nature itself and the mountains and just having that sense. Or maybe it's just watching a favorite movie. Maybe it's going on a walk. I don't know how many, how many take walks and you just feel like that's comforting. How many walk through like Bass Pro and that just feels comforting? <laughs> that does it for me. I don't know. That and the, you know, the tool stores. Yeah, that kind of stuff. You just, I don't even need to buy anything. I just need to see it. Touch it. I'm good. You know what doesn't give me peace? Can I share this with you guys? TV lately? Um, news? Talk radio? Politicians? 
Uh, for some of you, maybe Black Friday shopping seems too chaotic, and that's coming soon, and you're just, even the thought of it's just like, there's no way I would ever do that. Did anybody ever do that? Do you guys do that? Who does that? I'm just curious. Okay. I love going just to watch it happen. I'm not, I'm not about like trying to get the biggest deal on whatever, but it is kind of fascinating, you know, because I always, up, I'm up early anyway, so it's just funny to go and just watch all the chaos and just like, wow, that's just amazing. How about a job interview? Is that particularly peaceful? Maybe not. Public speaking, I know, is, is always the number one thing for people that they say is not public. They don't feel peace in the, just the idea of public speaking or getting up in front of people. Um, how, about, how about when you see that spider in the house? You ever seen that? And it's a particularly large one, and you're like, you got to get that thing. And then it runs up into the closet, and what do you do? You just stuff the towels under, and you figure, like, I'll just buy new clothes, right? <laughs> and it's in there. But the peace, you just, you just lost your peace. Uh, we're kind of past this season, but walking into the spider web and you become a ninja, right? And then, <laughs> this is the worst. And then later in the day, you just keep feeling something. You ever had that happen? Oh, you know those big garden ones? I had one of those ones where I thought I had gotten, I didn't even think it was on me. And then a little bit later, I feel something like, and you, oh, and it was, it was so big, like, uh, even now, mm, no peace. <laughs> who do you trust to give you peace? Where do you go for security? Who do you put your security in that you know that no matter what is raging, you have peace? That song, we, that last song we sang, did you catch that in the song? That no matter what is shaking, that you still have peace? You still know what is secure and what is peace? Now, I know we don't have very many earthquakes here, of course, every time I mention that, somebody will tell me, Missouri had the biggest earthquake in the U.S. history. I know that. Okay, I get it. But California, they were more of a regular occurrence. Remember, Rob? Did you love them? Oh, I love them. But I remember one time sitting in the church van, and I was driving some students, and I'm like, guys, quit shaking the van. And they're like, we're not shaking the van. I'm like, well, who's shaking? Oh, everything's shaking. We're shaking. The van's shaking. As a kid in the Philippines, when we lived in the Philippines, what we would do, because they had a lot of earthquakes, what we would do is, is it started shaking, we'd run as fast as we could to the pier because the pier would keep shaking long after the earthquake. That was the best. Where do you go for security, though? Where do you go where you know it's going to be good? Do you look at your bank account? Do you maybe, uh, do you maybe think about um, your health? Certain sense of power or control that you might have? The scary thing about that is none of those things last, right? Those things in and of themselves can be a source of, of not peace, a source that's scary because it changes and you don't know where it's going to go. So where do you go for that peace that's unshakable? This passage of Scripture <clears throat> is one of my favorites, but it's a Scripture passage that I want us to dig a little deeper into than we normally do. I want us to look at Philippians chapter 4. Before we read it, I want you to understand who wrote it and why and when he wrote it. The Apostle Paul wrote this. And many of you know that he didn't start his life out as a believer, a Christian believer, but he was a passionate follower of Yahweh. He was somebody who was a passionate Jew, and he was trained as a Jewish rabbi. And when he heard about this Christian 
upstart following Christ, he didn't realize at first that this was the truth. Instead, he went and persecuted Christians until he had a personal meeting with Jesus Christ himself on the road to actually go persecute Christians. He was on the road to Damascus when this happened, and the Bible clearly says that Jesus himself spoke to Paul. Changed everything. He saw this light. He falls to the ground. He looks up and he says, Lord, who are you? That's interesting to me. He addressed him as Lord before he really knew what was going on. And I think he did that because he realized this is supernatural. Something is happening here that I can't explain. It doesn't fit into my paradigm. Something is shaking my entire world right now. And he said, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. And as Jesus formed his life and style in Paul, he changed dramatically. And when he changed, he right away started preaching, literally to the Jews, because as a trained rabbi, a trained Pharisee, he himself was best equipped to do that. But then ultimately, he ended up being the one that would spread Christianity to all these Gentile churches. And in the process, he started using, I mean, Paul is, is a Jewish name, and he, I mean, Saul, Saul was his name. And then he started using the, a, a different version of his name, a Roman version, Paul. Because that would relate better to the, uh, the non-Jewish churches. This particular church in Philippi, he started. So he writes this letter to them. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about somebody writing a letter, I think about them sitting at their dining room table, maybe a cup of coffee, right? Enjoying the day. Hey, I'm going to write a letter. Does anybody write letters? You guys know what those are, right? You guys ever written a letter? Youths? No. <laughs> okay. So Paul writes a letter, but here's what you may not know. He wrote this letter from jail. He was literally in prison at the time when he wrote this letter. Now, this wasn't his first imprisonment, and it wasn't his last. But he wrote this while he was in prison to them. Here's something that's interesting about Paul. Think about this guy. If you know his life, do you remember uh, he went on these missionary journeys? He first went on a missionary journey with, with Barnabas. And then the second missionary journey, he goes on with a guy named Silas. And when they're on this journey, they get captured put in prison, in jail, but it wasn't just put in jail. This time they were beaten, they were whipped, he had wounds on his back, they were shackled in the basement of the dungeon of the jail. And while they're there, guess what they're doing? Singing worship praises to God. As they're doing that, can you imagine what that would have been like? You guys remember when you were in jail? Did you sing praises? Can you imagine what it was like though? Can you imagine what it sounded like? as they're singing praises in the middle of the night? Because that's probably not what you were used to hearing in jail, right? What would you usually hear? People complaining, people upset, people saying it wasn't my fault, I didn't do it, it's unfair, probably angry, maybe fighting with each other. And in the middle of the night, you start hearing somebody singing praises to God. I think of it maybe something like, something like the, the, the second worship song we sang. That was incredible, wasn't it? Did you hear the theology in the song? I, I looked it up because I, I, I can't remember the words just off the top of my head, but it goes like this. He who was before there was light walked across the pages of time. Did you catch that? He who was before there was light. Jesus existed before anything. And then and John says in his gospel in the very opening, he says, he created everything. He was before light, and then he walks across the pages of time. He who made every living thing, behold him. I wonder if it was a song like that. 
Everyone where is a song that went on to say, He who heard humanity's cry left his throne to wake as a child. Did you ever think about that? He left his throne on high and then woke up as an infant, a human, helpless infant. He came to become the least of us. Behold him, Jesus, Son of God, Messiah, the Lamb, the roaring lion. That was what was ringing out through that prison. And then the way that happened is there was an earthquake. You didn't think I was going to tie that in, did you? There was an earthquake, and when the earthquake happened, what happened? The jails all opened, and then Paul and Silas didn't run for freedom. Instead, they stayed there, and the jailer thought that they were all going to be run free, and because he was responsible for them, he took his sword to kill himself. They said, wait, don't kill yourself. We're all here. He ends up becoming a Christian, him and his whole family. That's who's writing this letter. That's who's writing this letter. That's why when he writes this letter, he starts off as a church father who planted this church. He's giving them some instructions. So this verse we're jumping into, verse 4, it is written in a command way. He's saying, he's telling them what to do. He's not saying a suggestion. Hey, it'd be good if you would. No, no. It's not like that. Hey, have you thought of? No. He's saying, you need to live like this. Here's what he says. Always be full of joy in the Lord. Other versions say, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. This theme of joy and rejoicing in his letter, he uses that one word, a form of that word, 16 times in this one short letter. 16 times. In fact, theologians call it the letter of joy. Written from where? You can, say, you can talk in church. Written from where? Yeah. He wrote the letter of joy from jail to tell the people, always be rejoicing, always be joyful in the Lord. And it, it's not, new, like I mentioned, it's all through the letter. Most of the times when he mentions it, he mentions to be joyful in response to something. He'll say, like for instance, in, um, in 118, he says, rejoice that Christ is preached. In, in chapter 2, verse 2, he says, he says, make my joy complete by being like-minded and of one mind. In other words, have unity in the church. And later in chapter 2, he says, be, be joyful because you're joined together in sacrifice and service with other Christians. And later in that chapter, he says, be joyful that Epaphroditus is coming because he almost died for the work of Christ. In chapter 3, he says, rejoice in the Lord uh, because... Uh, do it because you're being persecuted. And then in chapter 4, later after the part we're reading, he says, and, and uh, rejoice in the, I rejoice in the generous gift that you have given. But here he doesn't connect it to anything. He basically says, just be joyful. Wouldn't it be nice if that's all it took? Wouldn't it be nice? You ever had that happen when something's going on and somebody says, well, just snap out of it. Like, what? <laughs> Be happy. Okay. It's a choice. What he's trying to tell them is a choice you can make. You can make this choice to change your attitude. Did, <laughs> I know my mom will hear this. She might be listening right now. She might be watching. Did anybody else have a mom that say, change your attitude? Or, I'll change it for you. <laughs> I found out that's possible as a child. Did anybody else? Did anybody else find out that's possible? I literally had my attitude changed a number of times. 
And I realized that, yes, I can actually change my attitude. Now, it doesn't happen right away. I mean, you're kind of sniffling and thinking, I'm not sure I'm happy. But uh, you can change your attitude. You really can. It's something that you can do. That doesn't mean that you're not aware of the things going on. I'm not trying to minimize anybody's life. I'm, I'm not. The fact is, Paul knew what was bad. He was writing from prison, for goodness sakes. He wasn't minimizing everything. He was saying that you need to make a choice to be joyful. The thing is, there's a lot of times, even with Paul in his situations, I mean, people would have understood if he wasn't joyful writing in prison, right? He's in prison. They could have understood that, hey, it's all right. I know you don't belong to be there. He's there for preaching the gospel. He was literally there for preaching that Jesus was the Messiah. Because he started a riot because the Jews didn't like that he was saying that. Did he deserve jail? No. He was there for a good thing. So I think people would have understood if he wasn't joyful. But in the middle of that, not only is he joyful, but he's telling us that we need to be joyful, whatever circumstances we are living in. Think about the contrast here, though. He's talking about peace, having peace. You know what peace is? That joyful peace he's talking about? He's talking about your relationship with God is so healthy and good that there's nothing wrong between you. That's it. It's not just the absence of conflict. This, this joy that he says you're supposed to have, it's not just because things are going great everywhere. It's not. It's because things are going great with God. That your relationship, be joyful in the Lord because your relationship with him is solid. That is the foundation that is unshakable. Everything else shakes. That one doesn't shake. So here's that works. No, there's no brooding under the surface, no resentment growing. But it's peace because you have a right relationship with God. That is the source of joy, ultimately. That doesn't change. <laughs> Why? Because it's supernatural. I don't, there might be somebody here thinking, that's impossible. And I don't care what your mom said. I can't do it. I, I understand that. I do. But what Paul is doing here is telling you to make a change, but he doesn't leave us hanging there. It is a supernatural thing that God works in your heart and can make that happen, no matter what has happened in your life. He supernaturally sustains our souls when we're right in the midst of conflict and disappointment and, and danger and things that are happening. You can endure in nearly impossible valleys because of what he does. Happiness, most of the time, is just a reaction to something great. Catch this. Listen carefully. Joy is the product of someone great. Do you see the difference? Happiness is about something. Joy is about someone. Your relationship with him changes everything. He goes on to say this. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then... You will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. He follows all that up. He says to be joyful, and then he says, don't worry. Why would he say that about don't worry? You know why? Because worry sucks joy. Did you hear what I said? Worry sucks joy right out of your life. It pulls it out. It waters it down. It dilutes it. Worry is one of those things that it, it ruins your day. It changes your outlook. It ruins your attitude. It, it changes everything. The way you respond to people. Worry is, is one of those things that attaches to yourself and it, it makes everything else worse. Not better. It takes away your patience. Don't you wish you could just change that easy? Doesn't it sound like Paul's just saying, change? 
I want to share this clip with you. It's, it's an old Bob Newhart clip, but it's one of my favorites of his. But I wish Let it was me, this easy. i tell you a, a bit about our, our billing. I, um, I charge $5 for the, for the first five minutes. And, and then absolutely nothing after that. How, how, how does that sound? <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> Too good to be true, as a matter of fact. <laughs> well, I can I can almost guarantee you that that our session won't last the full uh, the full five minutes. Now, um, <laughs> we don't do any insurance billing, so you would either have to pay in in cash or by check. <clears throat> wow. Okay. And uh, and I I don't make change. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and go. I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just, I start thinking about being buried alive and I begin to panic. All right, well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most we find most people can uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay. Here, here they are. Stop it! <laughs> Stop it? Yes. S-T-O-P, new word, I-T. So, what are you saying? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I, I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. Stop it. So, I should just stop it. There you go. All right. Well, what other uh, problems would you would you like to address? <clears throat> uh, I'm bulimic. I stick my fingers down my throat. Stop it! <laughs> what 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 else? <clears throat> well, I have self-destructive relationships with men. Stop it! <laughs> okay, you can, you can stop it. Actually, wouldn't it be nice if that's all it was? You could just stop. You know what I love about this passage is Paul doesn't leave us with just stop it. Stop it. Stop worrying. Instead, what he does is he gives us, he gives us a literal four-step plan. A four-step plan. Let's take a look at this plan. He just said, don't worry about anything. Instead, so here's the plan. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So the first thing is this. Pray about everything. And he gives you two parts to prayer. Tell God about it and thank him. Tell him. I don't know how many things we worry about, carry, and we don't even talk to him about it. We talk to each other about it or we yell at the news or whatever, but we aren't talking to the one who can actually do things. We don't tell him. We need to tell him and then thank him. For what he's done. The next thing he says is that God will give you peace. And I love how he frames this. He says it's a supernatural peace that you cannot understand. You can't understand it. Because I know there's somebody out here thinking skeptic and you're just like, "Uh, that's not going to work. I've tried that. It won't work. Maybe you didn't let it work. I'm not trying to be offensive. But you, you don't have to let God give you peace. I know that sounds weird, didn't it? 
You can stop God? Yeah, you can. You can tell him, no, I'm going to worry about this some more. You, you go to pray and you give it to him. And then as you're done praying, you're like, hey, let me get that back now. I'll carry it back around. It is a supernatural thing. It's not easy. But to actually trust him and let him do that. And then if you do, he says that peace, not only is it supernatural, then that peace will guard both your heart and your mind. Now, depending on the situation, it's more my heart that needs guarded. Sometimes it's more my head. Sometimes it's both. But regardless, we have a God who not only, once you hand him those things and leave it to him, that he promises you that he will give you peace and then he will guard your heart and mind. The thoughts that come raging, the the worries that come in, the doubts, all of those things. And then you stop and say, wait a minute, I gave that to God. That's his now. But it doesn't stop there. He doesn't end it right there. He actually goes another step. And then what he tells us to do is to replace those worries with good things. Things that he's already done. And when you do that, what it does is it reminds you not only of who he is, but how he's already acted in your life. And it builds even more confidence and faith in what he's doing. Let's look at that verse. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And keep putting into practice all you learned And receive from me everything you have heard from me and saw me doing. Then the peace of God will be with you. Now some of you are saying, wait, that was three things. You said there were four. Anybody saying that? Okay. (laughs) Here's the fourth. Put into practice all you learned. I don't know about you, but what I've noticed about life is when I stop sitting and worrying and get up and start doing, changes my perspective. When I stop focusing all the things that maybe aren't working out in my world and start working and helping other people, it changes everything. It's all part of the thing, though. It's all part of the plan. It's, it's part of his four-step plan. You pray to him. You trust him. He gives you supernatural peace. And then he wants, what he wants you to do is think about other things. And then he also wants you to start actually contributing and working and changing things. Because, honestly, if you just sit and let your mind go, it's hard for him to guard if you're not going to let him guard. It's hard for him to to do that for you if you don't let him. He's not going to overwhelm your will. You have to actually turn it to him and let him have it. That's how it works. Let me go on with this. Then the peace of God will be with you. He's telling us you're his source. He's your source. He's the truth. He is the one that you need to come to. He is the one for all of that. And I think one of the things COVID has done is kind of got off, us, off our game on that. And we started to think other things were the source or that other things could supply the peace that only God can supply. Because as long as we live in this world, there will always be something. may not be COVID next year. It will be something else. There will always be something that adds to your worry, that adds to all of that. You choose your source of joy. You choose what it is. So I'm going to give you an action plan today before we close in prayer here. Pray, accept God's peace, change your thoughts, and start acting. Start doing things. Pray. Prayer is the only thing that lasts forever. When you pray to him, you're praying to the one that can actually make changes. 
then you have to trust that he's making those changes. They may not always be so obvious, and you may not know what he's doing, but the fact is he's always, 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 always working. Some of us are maybe more uh, t- type A, where we've got to know every detail. You're not going to know every detail. You've got to trust. Then that peace he gives, it supersedes the world or circumstances or thoughts or actions. All those things are crazy. We just don't know what's next, but he does. So what do we do? I'm going to challenge you to do this. I want you to be involved in prayer. Praying not only for those things, but then also praying for other people. We actually have a prayer list that we send out. When we, when we are aware, please let us know, make us aware of things that you need prayer for, and then we will email that out. We have a large email distribution list. If you would like to be on that list, it's a very simple process to get on that list. All you need to do is email, email the church. I'm going to give you this one, prayer at crownpointchurch.com. Just simple. Tell us you want to be on that list. We'll put you on the list. Remember, point, we're the pointy church, so we have an E on point. We're doing prayer here at 6 p.m. on Wednesday nights. If you want to be part of that before the 7 o'clock groups, there's quite a few of us meeting here for prayer. I want you to be here if you want to be part of prayer. I'm going to tell you another thing you need to do. We need to celebrate and tell people the good, the things that are happening in your lives. There are things happening all the time. You need to tell somebody. That's part of that Philippians 4.8. When you talk about the good, you replace the, the worry with good things. Sometimes it helps to have other people's good things to to know about, to celebrate, and to think about, because God is working in all of those things. Tell somebody. I'm going to ask you to do that today. As you leave today, this, this might be hard for some of you, I want you to tell somebody something good that's going on. And if you don't do it right here in this lobby, I want you to text somebody today. You can even do it right now. It wouldn't even bother me if you pull out a phone and start texting somebody. The last thing is do good things. Do good things things. Do good things. I'm going to give you some easy ones to do this week. Easy. You know, Ironman, we meet every second and fourth Tuesday. I have a friend. He's a pastor in Van Buren. This guy has reached his community in ways you would not believe. One of the things he does is he barbecues as a ministry for the community. I know this sounds crazy, but he is coming and he will be speaking at our, our connect group at, at Ironman. Bring somebody. Bring somebody Tuesday, 630. You can volunteer. You can actually contribute to our largest, most effective outreach we do every year, which is the Fall Festival. And you can sign up for that online. And I put links in the notes if you're using the Uversion notes for all of this. And the other thing, you saw the Operation Christmas boxes out there. Be part of that. You can actually be part of also helping collect them and, uh, and, and help with all of that. I'm going to ask you to do something. Shut your eyes for a second. Jesus, is, as he was nearing the end of his ministry turns to his disciples and he'd been telling them he was leaving and they, they were upset about it. He just told them that he was the way, the truth, and the life, that no one comes to the Father except through them. He was just telling them about that. He told them, he promised them the Holy Spirit. He's going to send the Holy Spirit. And he told them it was good and the Holy Spirit would be there with them all the time. They were worried. They were worried. They did not have peace. They didn't yet understand that they had peace because they had Christ. If you have a relationship with God, then you have peace. So in John 14, 27, he told them this. I want you to listen carefully to this. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. 
with your eyes closed still, I know that there's probably somebody here who maybe you don't have that peace right now. Maybe you don't know him like that. And as I was talking about him being the, the stable thing in your life, that no matter what else shakes, that that never moves, maybe you don't have that and you want that today. It's a simple process. It's just simple that you come to him, you tell him you want a relationship with him, you tell him you're sorry for the things that you've done, and that relationship begins and it lasts all through eternity. Anybody here want that? You don't have that now, but you want that. And I could pray with you. Anybody at all. If you just raise your hand, we'll pray. If you're watching online, you just let us know. We will be praying for you. Just let us know in the chat or email us anyway. As we close, I want to, with your eyes still closed, I just want to pray for the rest of you. It doesn't really matter how long you've been a Christian. The fact is, all of us at times start to lose focus on where our real peace comes from. Maybe that's you today. Maybe for you, you've been struggling a little bit, and maybe, maybe you're not even sure what it was, but things have just gotten out of kilter a little bit, out of course, and I'm just going to challenge you to do this. I'm going to pray for us right now in closing the service, and I'm gonna, as I pray, I want you to share with God whatever those things are. He says pray and thank him. Whatever those worries are, if it's something in the world, if it's something in your home, if it's something at school, if it's something with a friend, whatever that is, you tell him now. And then I'm going to challenge you to do this. I'm not going to put this in the prayer, but I'm going to challenge you. Let him give you peace. Accept that peace from him and let him guard both your heart and mind. Father, I lift up this congregation to you today. Those in this room, those online, those who may listen in weeks, God, I just ask in the name of Jesus for you to take these things off of us, these things that we're worried about, these things that are in the front of our mind, back of our mind, weighing on us, keeping us up at night, making us think thoughts that are just, we're just not sure. And I pray, God, that you would take each and every one of these things. God, we thank you. We thank you that you're a God who knows, who loves, who cares. And God, we just accept your peace. We ask that you would guard both our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me? Thank you for being here today. I'm going to let Al and Liz get a head start. And if you want to talk to them about maybe furthering your education, please go and, and uh, welcome them. And as you go today, here's my challenge to you. Either text or tell someone something good. Let, give them something good to be thinking about. God bless you. Have a great day.